welcome to the first episode of Set the Table, uh, a new and original podcast and web show brought to you by Red Hoodie Games about being a new DM or GM for tabletop games. I am John Skoda V, and my co-host and hopefully permanent guest is none other than my dad. Uh, what do you want to go by? Uh, I'll go by Jack Skoda. All right. Um, you're cool with me calling you Jack throughout the show to reduce confusion? Yeah, that's fine. Okay. Um, so I had the idea to start a show like this um, several months ago after subscribing to multiple Dungeons & Dragons subreddits and almost every time I was browsing through those there would be a post somebody would say something like hey I got roped into being the DM of my group or hey my DM is taking a break and I'm stepping up to the plate or me and some of my friends decided to start playing and they all voted that I should do it Where, where do I start what do I do Um, what tips and tricks can you give me, internet? And more often than not, communities like that are really good at providing some introductory help to new DMs. But I wanted to provide a show, uh, podcast, a service that would act as a um, hopefully long-running series on how to be a good DM or GM in your tabletop role-playing games. Um, I have been playing RPGs since uh, you got me into AD&D and GURPS back when I was in elementary school, Um, and I played a little bit of 3.5 with one of my friends, and his dad DM'd for us then. And then uh, I started DMing for for you and my sisters, and we have since played uh, a little bit of a lot of different things. Um, I, I also ran a social experiment. I studied psychology in college, and my experiment was using tabletop role-playing games as an avenue to help reduce social anxiety among participants. And despite my low sample size at a rural Vermont college, um, it was shown to be pretty wildly successful for her. Um, And since then, I have been sort of driving my career as much as I can in that direction, using games, particularly role-play games, for uh, typically non-game purposes. So my first job out of college, I got to run a therapeutic gaming group, and so we played everything from video games to board games to tabletop RPGs, um, and found that to be very successful as well. And then in the summer of 2018, and this past summer in 2019, I ran similar vocational skill building series for the uh, Department of Labor for the state of Vermont. So. I've been running workshops and identifying as a a pseudo-professional DM for uh, a couple years now using role-playing games to help teach people. Um, And Jack, as a teacher, you have some interesting qualifications to be talking about this sort of thing. 
Sure. So, um, I'll, you went forwards from the past to the future, and I'll go from, well, the present. I can't talk about the future, but I'll go from the present back to the past. So, currently, uh, I am uh, a professor at Vermont Technical College. Uh, I teach mostly technology, although I do run a uh, one arts and humanities class. I'm, I'm trying to get it formalized so we can run it on a recurring basis. Um, the History of Roleplay Games, which is based on Shannon Applecline's marvelous four-book series uh, that looks at roleplay game, the industry from um, 1974 on uh so that's that's kind of what i'm doing now i'm also the faculty advisor for the adventures guild here at vermont tech and we used to run starfinder society roleplay we uh most of the folks in that group were seniors they've graduated and we didn't backfill uh enough to to keep it going and i'm also a roadshow judge for Goodman Games, and we try to run uh, DCC Dungeon Crawl Classics or Mutant Crawl Classics uh, once a month. We haven't been very successful this semester again, you know, life and and schedules and all that kind of nonsense happen. So that's kind of where I am where I am now. Prior to that, so I've uh, been in the board gaming business and business. I've been in the board gaming lifestyle, if you want to call it that, and role-playing for, oh, yeah. for a long time. Uh, I've uh, been to several Gen Cons. I got kind of bit by the Gen Con bug in 12, 2012. That was uh, the first year we went. Yep. Yeah, so 2012. I, I also, one of the things I do, or I, I still do, but I've started a long time ago, teaching out in Dayton, Ohio with Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Uh, I teach classes in the summer out there, and I connected with a board game group and started getting into your more meteor board games. So uh, we would have a Saturday evening Arkham Horror uh, game or Eldritch Horror, or um, we never got to Betrayal on House of the Hill. That was one of the, that's one of those boutique, you know well-known games. I, I don't play it. Uh, another one, you know, people are, oh, he doesn't play Pandemic. I played it on the iPad, but it's not my favorite. I, I played Pandemic when it was a Flash game before it was adapted to board game or the iOS game, the mobile game that it is now. Yeah. Um, but so, this is actually hard going backwards. <laughs> I mean, you've got a lot of history to get through. It's okay. So, so, so lots. So, I've, I've done Gen Con, I've done Origins, and I was in my kind of board game group. We also branched off from time to time. We would play Call of Cthulhu uh, for a Halloween game, Halloween themed setting. We played. Then, we played one of those. Yes, they're fantastic. That well, we really played good. Octung Cthulhu, which is different. Yes. Okay. We played. Out in Ohio, I played Vanilla Call of Cthulhu, and then we I brought home the Octung Cthulhu sourcebook, which is the World War II variant. Yep. Um, then there was kind of a dry spell in there where I wasn't really board gaming. I, I, I got sucked into video games. Go, go figure. Um, and I did introduce the kids to, to role-play games from time to time. 
and then keep going back uh, I spent a lot of time with GURPS third edition GURPS and Storyteller so Vampire the Masquerade Werewolf the Apocalypse those were the two big ones we really never made the jump into Mage or Changeling no I kind of kind of ruined the vampire campaign before you made that yeah. swap well that's <laughs> but no this is back before you were born Oh, uh, oh, all right. My group never made the jump. So the group in the 90s never really made... We we really enjoyed Vampire. Uh, we played the uh, superhero with fangs style game, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll, we can talk about that. We'll probably get to that in a future show. But uh, And then we made the sh- transition to Werewolf, and we played a lot of Werewolf. Uh, we were also playing the card game Vampire, the Eternal Struggle. Uh, and then the Werewolf, the... I forget what the... What the what was after the colon for the, the werewolf? Apocalypse. That's the role play game, but there was a card game. Oh, okay. Which I I, I could Google it. Long before my time. <laughs> Way long before your time, and then, um, long bef- and then prior to the storyteller phase, uh, I spent a lot of time playing uh, Traveler, mm-hmm. classic Traveler, first edition Traveler from ni- from the nineteen seventies. Uh, and that's kind of that's kind of where I get my start in in this whole thing is I started right at the uh, probably I'd call it the second wave. So if you look at the history of roleplay games in TSR, right? Gary Gygax does this amazing thing in 1974. People will argue well, it was 72, but they wasn't really shared or published until 74. Yeah. Whatever, um, but. That's kind of that first wave of players and and DMs and basically role play games that original Dungeons and Dragons. Seventy eight, Mark Miller publishes Traveler, which is the sci fi answer to that, and then the T- TSR, the company, gets really popular. So I was kind of in that early eighties, the rise of TSR before uh, the. Devil scare, right? Dungeons and Dragons will make you worship the devil. Yeah. Like thankfully, it or not, your children are being attracted to the occult. Yeah. My yeah. thankfully, my parents and my friends' parents, kind of, they heard that message and then they kind of looked around the table and they said, "Huh, they're all sitting at the dining room table reading books at each other. I don't <laughs> think this is a bad thing. Like, yeah. They could be out smoking pot or getting speeding tickets or being." otherwise irresponsible they're all right here drinking soda and and eating pretzels because pretzels are game friendly snack and (laughs) book friendly snack and they're not causing trouble so that's kind of it's a roundabout way to get there but that's kind of my background i started back in the uh early 80s with advanced basically um b and x D &D, so the the basic set cardboard box set you you youngsters call that a starter set nowadays. Yeah. So there's the the red box with Keep on the Borderland, the blue box, Expert Dungeons and Dragons with the Isle of Dread, uh, and then we went right into AD and D when those books came out, and then we dabbled with uh, a couple of other things. I, I have the I got Ghostbusters because I loved that movie. Uh, we played a couple, a couple of games of Ghostbusters. I get Gangbusters from TSR, which is the gangster 1920s uh, 
set. We played that once, and we didn't. We weren't really excited by it. Yeah, didn't uh, didn't want to role play as gang members. Well, and you it you could set it up either way. The NPCs could be cops trying to bust you, the bootleggers, or you could be cops trying to bust bootleggers. Oh sure. Uh, and it was just my my group was more into the high fantasy. Yeah. Piece so. Makes sense. Uh, and then prior to that, playing Dungeons and Dragons, um, middle school, early high school, I spent a lot of time reading the Appendix N books. Mm-hmm. So, um, Lloyd Alexander's Book of Three Black Cauldron series, uh, all of the Fritz Lieber I could get my hands on because Fafford and the Grey Mouse are a rule. Uh, everybody reads uh, Tolkien. Tolkien. And The Hobbit and, and Lord of the Rings and Chronicles of Narnia, those were big. H.P. Uh, Lovecraft later on. So, um, a lot of good stuff. And then the sci fi stuff too. Roger Zelensky, Zelensky the, the Chronicles of Amber, the um, Alien, 2001, the book, not the movie. So, all the Arthur Clarke stuff. So, I used to read a lot, and that was, you know, those think, those those folks who know about rural Vermont now, uh, imagine rural Vermont with three television channels and one's in French. There you go. So, you, you know, I, I had my library card, and, and I would use it uh, voraciously. I think, um, and I think most teachers would agree with this, that people who read a lot tend to be better writers and being a dungeon master or game master a dm or gm you are writing a lot particularly if you're homebrewing um and so i think that that is probably at least one contributing factor that has led you and myself to a lesser extent to be the types of dms that we are today well i i i think a a really good dm is going to flex with their group. Yeah. So that's uh, when we talk about what makes a good DM. I think listening to your players in that, and I know you wanted to talk about session zero. Oh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get there. E- yeah. E- even before session zero, um, when you're building your group, talking mm-hmm. to folks and figuring out. What type of player are you? How comfortable are? You know, I'll, I'll just use made up names, right? Sure. Brian, what kind of player are you? Uh, Sarah, are you comfortable with improv in a small group? Because that'll be huge, uh, depending on what type of game you're playing. Mm-hmm. And then picking the game. I mean, that's let's face it. In the twenty first century, uh, there is a game for every group. No doubt, and and I know I know a lot of folks just drive right to Five E, and they're like, "Oh, Five E, it's wonderful, it's fantastic. We should all play Five E because you right. know that's the most popular game there is." Well, Five um, E is good for certain groups, and it lends itself to certain styles of play, uh, but it can be you would you might be much happier in a different setting even fantasy so uh, if you want to stay high fantasy 
there's a lot of different options there. You've got Pathfinder. You've got 5e. 3.5 has still held up well over the years. 3.5, the Pathfinder First Edition. If you still have, I mean, all those books are super cheap now. Yeah. Uh, so if you're looking to get into this for l low to no money, that's a fantastic option. Um, Savage Worlds has a fantasy um, as well, and then Rune Quest from Chaosium is is also it's a little bit different it's a it's a it's a tinge different because it's not um medieval fantasy it is bronze age fantasy okay like historical fantasy <sighs> not really okay because it's not romans and greeks and and persians it's a yeah. completely fantastical world with gods and and demons and and monsters and stuff but okay um, uh, perhaps a bit more mythological yeah yeah right. absolutely so if you're looking for a game right you pick up fifth edition if you just finished watching lord of the rings and you're excited and you want to play a fantasy game if you just watch clash of the titans then you pick up rune quest hmm. okay that's one that we have not or well that you haven't played with us yet yeah we I'd have say. no i'm dying to play it which is why i bring it up well, we've been playing uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics most often as of late, and if you are looking for a fantasy world, that is a um, a, a bit lighter version than D&D. &D. It's got a lot less numbers to crunch on the character sheet and more just roll your dice and refer to this table. Um, it does, and, and it... it um. I'm not trying to do an ad for Goodman Games here because they're not paying us, right? Well, Goodman it's, Games, they, if they, they could at us, some we'll point. Do more ads, right? <laughs> but uh, the the whole point behind Dungeon Crawl Classics is to um, reconnect with what made role-play games great in the 1970s, mm -hmm. right? So, which is when they first became great. When they first became great, and you know the the I'm not going to dime out my group because they might be listening, but there's a lot of joking in in my Monday night group. Like, oh, I'm going to punch that guy in the nards. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> you punched him. It's like, no, 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 I'm just joking. I'm, you know, out of character. Uh, oh. Dungeon Crawl Classics does not encourage that. You say it, you do it. Yep. Um, it also doesn't try to wrap mechanics around everything. If you're trying to do something and it's strength-related, um, you roll against your strength. You don't have to go and go, okay, that's strength and a little bit of acrobatics, or that's strength and a little bit of intimidation. It's just, it's strength. Roll your strength and, and knock yourself out. There are no skills. Um, there's no feats. It's just very, it's, it's very much like what it used to be uh, for that advanced Dungeons & Dragons feel. Hmm. Yeah, and it puts a lot of pressure on the judge in DCC the GM position is called a judge uh, to kind of adjudicate to, to make decisions and say okay you're going to do this thing I, I think the the way that makes sense for the game right now is roll against your strength or roll against your personality and see if you can charm your way past this guy Yeah. Uh, and then yeah there's a lot of 
randomness, and there's also a lot of death. I think, and we should, I'll make a note for this for in the future, because uh, uh, we could do a whole episode talking about player death. Um, but I, I read an interesting post today that was talking about how to, as the DM, um, roleplay and engage in encounters as a ancient red dragon. And I think with 5e bringing lots of newer players in, people become very attached to their characters. Um, you know, in video games that you're playing, your character dies, you just get resurrected, or you have some death penalty, but it's still your character that you've been playing with this whole time. Um, I think that people are, are less equipped to... DMs, GMs are less equipped to try to kill their players, because if you are accurately role-playing a red dragon, you want to kill those people that just tried to take your gold, um, and players are less equipped to sort of cope with player death. Um, but that's probably a, a longer conversation for another time, unless you had something. No, well, I, actually I was just thinking about this on the car ride over. Um, that was one of the things that popped into my head, because I was thinking about the different systems, right? And I know you would talk, you would ask me to talk about DMing um, and session zero, and I'm, I'm looking at our notes here, and I think we're... We're kind of off the rails a little bit, but That's we'll bring okay. it back. I'm yeah. sure we'll bring it back sooner or later. Oh, we will. Uh, <laughs> but that's that's that session zero and building your team. And if you have a group that says, we're okay with death, like, we're going to roll the dice, and if I've got 12 hit points and that red dragon breathes on me and he rolls 8d10 worth of damage and I count it up and it's 57, I'm fried. You are toasted. And, and that's if that's what your group likes, or if that's the type of game you want to play, right, then that's fine. If, and if you're playing 5e and you're in a group that says, no, we want a cinematic experience, we are the protagonists in this story, this is, our sessions are a story about our group. Well, you roll that 57 damage, you as the DM could sit there and go okay the fire hits you it blasts you away and you're now buried under a pile of cinders and burned um and knocked unconscious and you lay there until the dragon flies away yeah, yeah. and then and then your team kind of once the dragon realize thinks everyone's dead or once the dragon oh I, you know i've just killed these adventurers and now, I, now I've got to go fly out of my cave and find my gold because these. This is their third trip in here. These jackasses. Now I'm going to go fly out and find. I mean, there's from a narrative standpoint, you can create a narrative where the players don't die, where they're substantially penalized for death, like in a right. video game, um, but they don't ultimately croak. Right. Right. Um, and and that's that's system independent. Although as a great GM, right, there's there's bad GMs, GMs, good GMs, and great GMs. As a great GM, if you have a group that is uh, death-averse and they really want to have a narrative experience with their characters, there are systems, 7th C, 2nd Edition is custom-built for that hmm. type of experience. 
And if they want to have a crunchy, I'm going to roll the dice and the chips are going to fall where they may, and now I'm dead, and now I'm going to have to re-roll another character, right? Fifth edition's not bad. Fifth edition's kind of a middle point. Uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics is your is your Huckleberry there. I was I was going to say you had the last time I was home over Thanksgiving and you were telling me about the um, the DCC adventure that is specifically written for when your characters die there's an adventure they can partake in whatever the underworld is and if they are successful they come back that's um, that's the DCC Lankmar that's um, very very cool subgenre though. and it, it it follows one of the novels that um, in the world of Lankmar by Fritz Lieber uh, death is a sentient entity or okay. a softened entity um, and he has a realm and you can go there and hang out with dead people if you want to it's kind of it's kind of like Hades in the underworld you know you get on the river sticks with the ferryman and you go talk to your dead relatives kind of thing sure um, and and that was in one of his novels which then Goodman games. <laughs> Uh, Michael Curtis, who's a genius, uh, put that into that into that yeah. module, which we haven't played yet because you guys haven't died. I see yet. <laughs> I'll try harder to kill you next time. <laughs> yeah, good good luck. Um, so so just to pull us sort of back on base here for for the first episode, um, if you can't tell, we have tons of stuff that we could be talking about. Um, and we we landed on doing an episode every two weeks. Um, the episodes will be anywhere from 45 minutes to an hour and a half. Uh, so we have plenty of time to talk about all of these things. Uh, we could have a whole session where we talk about what system you would pick depending on what your needs are, how to deal with metagaming, and that sort of out-of-game joking, talking, not being fully immersed. We could ha- probably have a whole session on like player death, and um, I can talk about uh, a little bit of the the psychology of grief and how that would occur even for a fantastical character. Um, in this episode, uh, we have introduced ourselves and um, sort of talked about our own experiences a little bit, and I, I do want to talk about um, session zero. And what you do your your first session as a DM um, in the future, those are things that we'll talk about: player death, metagaming, that sort of thing. Um, we can talk about how to RP monsters, how to handle player disputes, both in and out of game. Um, we could talk a little bit about like world building, campaign design. Um, we could talk about homebrewing. <clears throat> campaign design is something that I'm pretty passionate about because I have been designing a campaign for so long and would love to talk about that. But um, and we can talk about um, mechanics too, our actual gameplay. So yeah, do you need to buy fan? Oh, I want to play Fifth Edition. Okay, everyone says I have to go buy Fantasy Grounds. It's 120 bucks. Well, you can, and you're going to get a lot of cool things for 120 dollars. But there are other alternatives. Right. And, um, and what, what are the pluses and minuses of Roll20 versus Fantasy Grounds versus let's just throw everybody into Discord and, and roll go from there kind of thing. Yeah, so so let's, let's continue that part of it. So if you are a first-time DM 
Um, whether your situation is we've been planning for a while and I've read the player handbook or I've read the SRD, um, that's the, the source reference document. Um, or if it's, hey, me and some friends have been talking and we don't even know where to start, or my longtime DM is taking a break and I'm sort of been shoved up into that role, where do I start? Um, where do you start? Um, and so obviously a, a platform like Fantasy Grounds or Roll20 or Discord or Skype, however you want to do it, um, my group... Or get together. Physically. Or, yes. Right? The, Physi that's the best option. Together, if you can. Of course, of course. It is almost always better to be able to have everybody in the same room. Um, you get that transference of energy with everybody role-playing, and um, if you think of role-playing as improv, which it more or less is, if you're on a stage doing improv with other people, that feels very, very different than if you are even just if you're like talking on the phone with somebody and you have some inside joke that you sort of improv with each other, it's it's a very different kind of energy. So if you can get together with people, please do. Um, my group uses Skype for our audio and video and Roll20 for die rolling, document sharing, character sheets, that sort of thing. Um, we used Roll20 for sound and video um, and after we brought in the fifth player, it started to get a little bit weird on us, and it was just easier to, to switch to Skype to avoid that sort of headache. Um, but I know uh, that you've used Fantasy Grounds before. So my group, um, we do audio only through Discord. So the, the audio is in Discord, and then the dice rolling map picture sharing, character sheet stuff. Uh, we have used Fantasy Grounds, and we've used Roll20. And I think I'm trying to get everybody to run... I've got the new uh, Alien roleplay game. It just came yes, out. You showed me uh, that. And we're going to try to run that over Astra, which is another platform. Uh, it's connected to drivethroughrpg.com. Is that what that is? So will, will you tell us what that is? Because you mentioned it in our pre-show discussion, but I thought that that was something different. So Drive Through RPG, we'll back up. And what's Drive Through? Drive Drive Through RPG is the um, premier. It's premier. pretty much the top dog uh, oh, yeah. for online role-play game content. They basically have PDFs for hundreds if not thousands of different role-play games and content from publishers and from uh, community creators so if you're looking for a game to play uh, and you're like oh I don't know if I can find rules for this go to drivethroughrpg.com and do a google search and or a search on there and you'll find the book it's some some of the pricing it's usually priced fairly reasonable um. Yeah. Yeah. You know, some some people will say, "Oh, I don't want to pay twenty five bucks for a PDF," uh, but the print book is sixty. Yeah. So it, it's a cheaper way to get in, uh, and and uh, yeah, I'm an old guy. I like paper books, um, but really, there's nothing feels better than where's my tablet? I I won't grab my tablet, but you know, here are all the first edition 
Pathfinder books on my tablet. Well, here they are. Here they are on my phone. All of them right here. Um, and I can search them and that kind of stuff. It just makes your life so much easier, uh, even though they're not paper, which is good. I'm I a like. younger guy too, and I, I I like having paper source books, but when it is forty to sixty dollars a source book and you need three to five of them, um, PDFs can be really nice. And yeah. a lot of supplemental material on DriveThru RPG is also a, a pay what you want sort of deal. Yeah. Um, and that can be really nice where if it's something that you want to just explore, you can get it. And if it turns out that that's something that is really cool, the next time you can throw the developers some money. Um, yeah. It's a good system. So they have a they have partnered with Astra.com. I think it's Astra.com. Uh, and that is another online tabletop simulator. Cool. So ma- maps, character sheets, dice rolling... Uh, they're trying to do. Uh, Astra is trying to do dynamic lighting and weather. Ooh. So if you're, Ooh. you've got a map. You 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 basically upload a map and then you say, please make it snow, and it starts snowing. You see a snow animation on your map. Oh man. Now, for me, I don't get wrapped around the the map. I'm not a map guy. Right when when I play role play games, I like to play in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I do paint miniatures. I I have the vinyl draw on mats. Right, I've used terrain, mm-hmm. uh, and I just. But when when I ran, I ran a Vampire the Masquerade Fifth Edition game on Roll Twenty, and I had no maps. I had background music, and I had mood setting pictures. Okay. So, the the vampires in this scenario were flying to Rutland, Vermont, to the to the Killington Ski Resort. So I had a map of I had a, a general map. I just borrowed it from the Killington Resort <laughs> webpage. Yeah. Um, but then I had pictures of the ballroom and pictures of of a bar, uh, pictures of a nightclub, pictures of a forest at nighttime with the moonlight pictures of downtown Rutland at midnight that kind of thing just to kind of set the mood um, more because I again for me as a board board game and role play game player and Warhammer fantasy sometimes uh, if I want to play that kind of game like I'm, I'm gonna shoot you and you're five spaces away right I'm gonna play a different game right right there, there's there's Again, when we start talking about what are your options out there, um, for for miniature small squad combat games, right? We could, I could, we could have a show where we just list them off, right? Right, <laughs> and and probably run close to forty five minutes of you know, <laughs> last night on Earth, all of these Malifaux, blah blah blah, you know, blood and plunder, blah 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 blah, and, and just you know, this is what it is, this is what it does, this is what it is, this is what it, no. Right. So, that's not this show, though. Right, and 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 that's that's kind of when I'm playing a role play game, I really don't get into the. I don't. I find that tedious. Okay, you have thirty feet of movement. You can move six squares. One, two, three, four, five. Okay. Yep, you're within range. Yeah. I, for me, that kind of. I, I get it. People like to play that way. Um, they want to follow the rules. Um, but for me, that kind of. It takes away from the excitement. 
Right. It slows the pace down. It removes a little bit of the fantasy of it. Um, yeah. I I grew up being taught how to DM by you, so my so you have all of my bad habits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My my style is is fairly similar. <clears throat> um, I love maps just because they're fun to look at and it helps me get a sense of um, the scale and sort of where in relation things are. But when I say maps, I'm talking world maps, city maps, larger scale map, not the 35 by 35 battle map right. of where you're going to be putting your minis. Um, I did that. I ran a, uh, a three-week... I was going to say one-shot, but that's not a one-shot. So a, a three-session short campaign when my main group was in an in a extended break. And for that, I used a, a program called Pixel Edit, which is a tile-set pixel art program to um, do just some really simple tile-set design and then build my maps from there. And it was a dwarven brewery in the mountains, so I had one map. I think all of them ended up being 50 by 50 squares, but I didn't use all of that space. But I had one map where it was a uh, the cave leading to the brewery from the mountainside. There was the first floor of the brewery, the basement level one, which was much, much smaller, and the basement level two, which was a single hallway and like three rooms. So that was a lot of work too. Maps can be a lot of work. And there are a lot of good places to get free battle maps. Um, the the various D&D and Pathfinder and etc. subreddits are excellent places for that sort of thing. Um, but I am a bit like you in that if it is an encounter on the road, in the forest, in a basement somewhere. I'm not super nitpicky about where people are. And my players will oftentimes ask, um, you know, how, how far away is this? How far away is this thing? And I'll have to, to make something up. Okay, so the encounter starts with these three bandits 60 feet away from the person in the front of your group. And then after they close distance, it doesn't super matter. Um, and I'm not going to use a battle map for something like that, where I can, where I can use the numbers to make the people in the group that want the numbers to feel a little bit better about it. Like, okay, you're 60 feet away, you're going to use a dash action to close that distance, and then you're going to end your turn. Like that, that helps them feel more engaged. But I don't need to do any sort of extra prep for that. And the other players who want that to feel more, um, more like a shared theater of the mind, get that experience, which is my preference as well. Yeah, I, in one of my older groups, somebody got persnickety about that. It's like, well, exactly how far away? And it's like, okay, dude. In the you know break break, we're sitting in my kitchen. Exactly how far away is that? plate glass window from you right now go and he was like i don't know <laughs> i'd have to get up and measure it like my my feet are 10 inches so i could and he started stepping over the window it's like so is your character gonna do that like 
in the real world, when you look at things, you're you're guesstimating at right. best how yeah. far things are away. So, if you yes, if you're a three hundred year old experienced half elf mage, you're gonna know how close you need to be to cast charm person, or to cast lightning to hit that person. Like you're you're gonna know. Yeah. So I'm just gonna tell you, no, you're not in range. Yes, you are in range, and. It's not an exact science. We're we're not even GURPS as crunchy and mathematically inclined as GURPS or Traveler Fifth Edition. Um, you're not like okay, I'm walking at three point four miles per hour. I stop at the end of turn <laughs> seven. I'm exactly yeah. Yeah, you do a little bit of physics uh, for Traveler spaceship combat, but not for I want to walk across the tavern and cast Charm Person on the bartender. Exactly, right? exactly. So, so, but that again. If, if, but if you have a group that gets really picky about, okay, in this combat round you can get halfway to the bar. Okay, then I'm gonna use the dash action and, and get to the other halfway to the bar. Yeah. Um, I'm also the kind of jerk uh, DM who says, okay, you slam into the bar. <laughs> right make make a agility save or a deck save to make sure that you don't like tumble all over because you bounced off i mean you, you're you're sprinting right in a room and you're trying to stop in front of that object like either you're going to try and stop in front of the object or the object's going to stop you <laughs> right and right. it's a bar so there could be spilled beer there could be you know Oh, there's one nail that catches your boot, and off you go. <laughs> uh, I guess that yeah. would, I, we should put that under the heading of how to punish bad players. How to punish bad players. Nails in floor. How yeah. to punish bad players. Nails in floors. All right. <laughs> that, one nail, that one bad nail, the, the spilled beer, the yeah. untied um, goo. So, so you'll... You have to decide on uh, what system you're playing, um, and I think for this first episode, uh, we've already talked a lot about a few different systems, and I think system decisions could be their entirely own episode. So, for the sake of I, further actually, I'll, t I'll st I think we probably need a show about genre decisions. Oh, sure. Yeah. And then system <laughs> decisions. Yes. Um, so that's probably two shows, if not more. Yeah. Um, so for the sake of the rest of this show, let's assume that you have uh, decided upon what system you want to play. You or your group have decided. Um, and um, I was going to say, I assume that I will assume that you have a group to play with, but um, there might be there might be some room for discussion in there. Um, so w once you've decided on a system, you'll need your books or your resources, whatever you're using. So DriveThruRPG is a fantastic resource for getting those things, both PDF and print-on-demand. Um, your friendly local game store is an excellent option. Yeah. Um, support those small folks who are, are selling those things. Um, I'm sure that with the holidays coming up, if you are interested in trying something, um, there are plenty of, of starter kits that are available for various systems. 
Um, but at the end of the day, you'll need the books or the information that you need. And if you are playing, um, the only ones that I know of are D&D 5e and Pathfinder, but both of those provide system reference documents, SRDs, for free online. Um, and that's for anybody to use, for anybody to find. They don't tell you how to play the game, but they give you all of the charts and information where if you um, have a player's handbook, then you can find at least enough information to start playing from an SRD online. Um, you'll need dice, and you can either use physical dice or uh, a virtual die roller. Um, Google has one just fine in the search bar, or if you're using Roll20, Fantasy Grounds, what have you, they all have built-in dice rollers. Um, there are also uh, free dice bag apps for your phone. Um, so if you don't have physical dice, there are plenty of virtual ways to simulate die rolling. And and getting into the buying physical dice, that, that can be... Um, let's just say that there is an addictive quality in purchasing dice. Yes. So as soon as you, ooh, those are, oh, I only I only have a blue and white set. I don't have a red and white set. Right. <laughs> I don't have a light set with black numbers. You, you get you, that, yes, you, you can get into trouble buying dice. Yep. Um, just be careful. <laughs> uh, one, so one of the folks in my group has a, a before in our pre-session discussion, he will have a little dice contest to see which of his dice roll the best for him. So he'll take all of his d6s and he'll roll them all, and then he'll pull out the three that roll the highest and then roll them all again and then pull out the one. And he'll do that for all of his sets of dice. Um, so people become very attached to their physical dice. Um, and even though I play on roll 20, uh, I have one player that uses the built-in die roller and everyone else I, I know personally, so I trust them when they're rolling physical dice. But some people are really attached to a particular set of physical dice that they have, so um, be wary with dice, for sure. Uh, character sheets, almost all of which for any system are available as free PDFs through the system's website. I can't think of one that doesn't do that. Yeah. Um, and then fiasco. Okay, but I, you don't make a character sheet in fiasco. Yeah, that's redundant. <laughs> um, and then willing players, of course. So if you are somebody who wants to start running games, the easiest way for you to start running a tabletop role-playing game is to volunteer to be the DM or GM yourself and to find players. Um, it's much harder to have four people and try to find the DM than it is to be the DM and try to find four people who want to play. I think. It's like playing a healer class in an AMMO. Yeah. Everybody loves you. Yep. Um, and so, as a new DM, um, there are things that you will want to be uh, conscious of and aware of, either when selecting your players, if you are being picky about the group, um, I know Rule 20 lets you host games and people sort of apply to be a player in them and you can review sort of what they have and you can ask questions about, you can talk about that and you want to, you want to talk to your players before you start playing. 
Um, you probably want to talk to your players before your session zero, even, where, um, Jack, like you were talking about at the very beginning, if a player has a particular play style or they know that they want to play a particular character, are the other characters at the table or the other players at the table comfortable with that? So if somebody is, hey, I want to play a totally selfish, neutral evil rogue who is all about the stabby stab, and I, I, I really want to excel at sneaking into places and murdering people and making a ton of money from it, is that the kind of group that wants to support or play with that character? Well, yeah, because you have to... You Again, this probably put put that in the notes. This is probably another whole show is um, party composition and and vision and mission. It has to be thematic. It has to be logical. It has to make narrative sense. Right. Sometimes. So <laughs> I have I have a lawful good paladin, a lawful good cleric, a lawful good bard. They all worship the same deity. They're all on a mission to rid the land of undead and they hook up in a bar with a neutral evil halfling thief who's in it for the money those those people would never cohabitate unless there's a if if you as a this is what a bad gm would do okay talk to each other you're 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 a group (laughs) yes you're a group done no you know a good gm is going to either the neutral evil halfling if he goes into the next land or he goes into the next village he's going to get lynched unless he's under the protection of these people like there's got to be something in it for that character and then there has to be something driving the other characters to want to commingle and and be together right and so some of this comes to like you were talking like backstory development where that group of of lawful good characters are about to go into a tomb full of undead with, uh, they suspect that there is a, a lich at the, the head of it all and they want to either find him, destroy him, what have you. Um, but they know that there's going to be traps, they know that there's going to be locks, you've got that zealot barbarian, you've got your paladin, your cleric, nobody there is good at locks, traps, scouting. Uh, so so now we make a rogue. Mr. Halfling... Mr. Halfling, if you disable the traps, you can have all the money. We don't want the money. We just want to conquer the undead. There we go. Um, So there are ways to sort of marry those two very, very different character concepts to have them be a cohesive group. Um, But that is definitely something that you want to discuss with your players and, and figure out ahead of time so that you don't end up playing during session one and you have that halfling at the bar and you say something like hey all right you guys can talk to each other now which can be okay if you know your players are going to role play that and solve that problem themselves if it is a session one with anywhere from beginner to intermediate players they may need some nudging um so as a DM, it's it's important to um, it's important to have um, expectations of your players, and 
So you want to uh, be open-minded. Um, I think that that is an important quality of a DM. Um, you want to you you want to expect your players to be open-minded as well. Um, you you unless you are telling them what adventure you're playing or you have a specific module that you're playing and everybody sort of knows what's going to be happening. Uh, you want players who are going to be open to the experience that you are creating for them as the DM. Um, you want to be proficient. Uh, you want to have some knowledge of the PCs. Did you have something? I did. So, you want to have um, commensurate levels of proficiency. So, if you're the new DM and you know everyone in the group has memorized the player's handbook and you've read it once, right? Yeah. You, you need to. You need to. You need to meet your players, kind of where they're at. Same thing with theme and lore. So if you're playing um, Vampire the Masquerade, for example, and, hey, we need you to be the storyteller, and you're not up on the difference between the Sabbat and the Camarilla, and you're really unclear about, you know, who are the Ven what's the Ventru uh, clan, and what are they all about? Like, you're gonna you're going to say things or do things um, that are either the counterman cannon, which will just destroy the the experience for your players. Right, it's not coherent. Um, and and or if you're playing with folks and and you just love, again, right? I love Lankmar and Fafford and the Gray Mouser and um, some of the people I play with. They haven't read the books. Right. Poke poke poke. poke, poke. <laughs> Sorry, right? my bad. My bad. No, I, it, it, <laughs> right. Who has enough time to read everything they want to read? Um, but there, there are things in in that setting that are different. Lord of the Rings, right? Everybody's familiar with Lord of the Rings. But if you if you're coming to Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, we'll pick on Harry Potter, right? <laughs> if you're coming to Harry Potter late and and you don't get the whole house conflict between Gryffindor and Slytherin and Hufflepuff and and Ravenclaw, like you're gonna be like, oh hey. I'm a Hufflepuff. I'm going to go date a, a Slytherin, and we're going to go do this cool thing outside. And it's like, what? Slytherin kids live in a dungeon. Like, they would never go camping outside on a sunny spring day. Like, and then yes, I'm generalizing. And if you're a Slytherin and you you're offended, you know, get bent. I'm a Gryffindor. Uh, <laughs> but that right, and and we're making these jokes about that theme because we we have a commensurate level of of appreciation for the theme. So right. that that proficiency i think it's a balance right you want to not everybody can be an uber fritz lieber nerd right and love lankmar and fabric and gray master like i do but um you want to make sure your party kind of has an even keel right i or or as a d you said you know uh commensurate as an equal but as a dm you need equal to or higher than so yeah. i think it's okay for you um, especially for me and my group where it's an entirely homebrewed world um, with an entirely homebrewed campaign. Elves are different 
the history of dwarves are different. Um, it's I, I need to have a very high degree of knowledge about my world to be able to answer questions to the players that they may have. Um, yeah. uh, another thing that you will want to be as a DM or uh, to set as an expectation for your group is for people to be relatively friendly to one another. Um, I had this discussion with one of my players when he wanted to join the group and was talking if he asked if I allowed any in-game PvP and I allow it but at what point do you anticipate attacking other players who are um, on a similar quest to you and that have similar goals to you um, and so you, you'll just want to expect players to be um, relatively well-mannered to one another. Uh, one of my, that same player who is curious about the PvP, um, he, he's talked enough about his backstory with the group that I feel comfortable sharing it at this point. But his backstory is that his parents are slavers in their, um, in their home city. And he found that out and left home and uh, one of the new characters that a different player started to play um, was also somebody from that city who may have known who he was and he was trying to hide the the badness of his past and uh, as soon as the other player hinted that she was from that same city then he got very defensive, a little bit aggressive, um, and it was it was a tense moment for you know for the group. But uh, I, I trusted my players a little bit, um, and they sort of RP'd and worked their way through it. Um, trust is another thing that you will want. Um, trust is important. Uh, both for players and for DMs to have. You want people to... Um, especially if you've established early on that your players are not comfortable with their characters dying. You want to play a thematic campaign where the players want to be important heroes and the story revolves around them, you have to have a DM that you trust to not put you in some scenario where you are, you know, 99% chance going to die. Um, on the other side of that, as a DM, you want to have players who you trust to not be metagaming super hard um, or to not be secretly working against one another without you having any awareness of that. Any thoughts on, on trust between DMs and players? No, I think that the friendliness, the trust, the, the patience, the goodwill, all those things kind of feed together really at the, at the core foundation, everyone sitting at the table or everyone sitting in front of their lap, their computer to have a good time and, and to yeah. play this game, right? Um, it, there are there are way easier ways to power trip 
and and do bad things to other people um, right there are there are you're the psychology guy so you can you you can probably list out all those ways that people are like oh I, I'm insecure about things but I'm gonna jump into this role play game and just wreck it for everybody or I'm gonna you know I want the spotlight on me all the time during this game because now I've got you know every Monday at 6.30, four people are going to pay attention to every word I say. Ha ha. That's, you know, that's not why we play these games. We, we play these games to tell a good story, to have a good time, to have right. those memorable moments, right, where um, the Dwarven gunslinger knows that more than one person is going to die, and he's he thinks he's useless because he doesn't have any magical weapons, and you've been fighting demons for five sessions straight and he says that's it i'm gonna put wicks in all my powder horns and jump off the <laughs> statue into the arms of the succubus who's menacing us and explode right and it was a beautiful scene it was we talk about player deaths this is i talked to my gm my my dm and it's like you know i'm and, and that was that actually spawned from an honest friendly conversation where i said you know I'm useless. I've been useless for four sessions. Every every I'm supposed to be ranged damage, right? Range DPS, yeah. and everything I do is half damage. And right, I'm not contributing. I'm 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 my character would be feeling bad, and me as a player, I'm not having fun. So, right. if there's a way for me to bring a different character in that makes sense and doesn't break the group and break the the fun for everybody else like i'm i'm looking for this guy to go out in a blaze of glory he's a dwarven gunslinger so right he's gonna go down in a in a boom uh but that that all stemmed from being able to have that right i it it didn't turn into a oh why don't you want to play with us anymore or aren't you happy with the group or or any of those things it was purely like Hey, let's let's figure out a way for everyone to have more fun. Right, right. And that you know, at the end of the day, it's a game. That's the point of games is fun and to bring people together. Yes. Um. Yeah. So so we spent a little while talking about sort of what you need, setting table expectations. Um. Let's let's finish up with a. Uh, a talk about what session zero is uh, and what you should do and how that should go. Um, so session zero is sort of a term that is loosely used and accepted by tabletop RPG communities to describe a session in which you are doing preparation and discussion for session one. So in session one you'll be actually playing the game. The DM will you all find yourselves in the same tavern in the same quiet town. Um, it's always got to be a tavern, huh? That it's just I, that was the tropey. That's the trope. Yeah, that's, that's the trope, right? Everybody meets up in the tavern, and there's a stranger in the corner with a mission. Yep. Right. Very, very Tolkien-esque, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah kind of. Sure. Um, and and so session zero is what you want to do before that where you introduce the players to one another. If they don't already know it, you introduce yourself as the DM. Um, this is the, the time and place to have that discussion about sort of what the group wants to do. Do they want more dungeon crawl, action-packed, lots of combat? 
Do they want more city and political intrigue with minor combat events that involve stealth and careful planning? Do they want outright wars between people? Do they want fantasy? Do they want sci-fi? Do they want something very numbers heavy? Do they want something more RP heavy? Um, Do they want a pure... If, if you're playing... If you're playing 5th edition, do you want a pure fantasy, like, I open up the chest and, hey, there's a laser pistol. Uh, no, you know, it's got to be a dagger, it's got to be, like, like, where are the boundaries kind of thing for, for folks. Yep. Um, the other thing I like to establish is all these worlds have various theologies and cosmologies. How much religion do you want in your game? So that's, that's one of those things I talk, you know, the... Things you're not supposed to talk about in polite society, you talk about all of those things at session zero, right? Yep. Religion, politics, sex. You talk about them all because um, if, for me as a player, I don't like theology-heavy campaigns, right? I'm, I'm playing a Nerfneblin bard right now who was raised in the Underdark by Drow. She's a worshiper of Lolth, but... I don't want to talk to Lolth. I, I don't want to, you know, yep, I don't kill spiders, and I have a little shrine uh, in my room where I put dead flies to feed a couple of spiders who live there, but that's it. That's as far, <laughs> right? My, my DM's like, okay, make a religion check. It's like, okay, but we talked about this, right? I, I don't want to, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, That's but that's my playstyle right and other people like right. i'm a dwarf and every day morden's gonna come down and good job you know <laughs> yep I, dingle iron you you did a, a fantastic thing today it's like some people like that i i you know i i i like to have way more distance between me and my deity sure um, especially at level four you know when i get to level 30 and i could be potential competition eh, yeah then I'll, maybe we'll have those kind of <laughs> adventures but right yeah so religion is one uh sex is the other one yep um so how do you want to handle so is, is it okay for players to seduce npcs is it okay for players to seduce other players um do you want to entertain non-consensual seduction so hey that barmaid's really cool oh and i'm a bard so uh charm person hold person and then it's like whoa time out <laughs> like yeah that's not okay here yeah um, some tables are okay with that some tables are not okay with that and then also how graphic do you want to be in the depictions right right uh, most of i i'm a player i like the fade to black okay i played a seventh c second edition game uh and i was playing a rake which is you know <laughs> uh and my job during the costume ball was to get the Duke's confidential secretary away from the Duke because she was running interference for him, right? Yep. The rest of the players needed to talk to the Duke about hiring a ship, and Veronica was always there in the way. Oh, he's got an appointment. Oh, he can't talk to you. Oh, he's... So, Giuseppe, go take care of this young lady. It's like, okay, hey, right? And, yeah. and I use my... Right there's a ability in that game called Come Hither, and you burn your hero point, and you pick a, a member of the uh, gender that you are romantically 
inclined towards and they are removed from the scene for the rest for the duration of that encounter yeah so giuseppe and veronica they go off for a light lovely walk in the garden and they you don't see them again until the next morning that's giuseppe he's a gentleman he doesn't know to kiss and tell so he's he says no you what happened between me and veronica is a private and a special Right, because everybody in the party is like, "Hey, Giuseppe, did you get lucky last night?" <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, but that you want to have that conversation before the situation arises, because you yeah, don't want before you even start guard, playing, right? Because people will be uncomfortable, and they might be uncomfortable with what's happening, and then they might be uncomfortable speaking up. Yep. And and so you want to just have that out, and then politics, same thing. Um, and that's real-world politics and in-game politics. Like, how much political intrigue do you want to have in the game? And then, you know, if it's if it's a kind of, like... I, I play dwarves. Um, that's one of the character types I like to play. Uh, I like to play racist dwarves. I, I'm not generally a racist person in, in real life. Uh, I, I think I have the the probably the normal background radiation level of racism for a white christian libertarian new england person um but my dwarven character right he can't stand those you know tree hugging knife ears (laughs) yep yeah i have a i have a half elf character um who the the player is not not racist at all um but her half elf is pretty severely racist towards towards the green skins towards the orcs well that's just natural nobody likes orcs well right but that's something (laughs) that's not nobody um okay but that's right that's something that you want to cover ahead of time politics race religion sex Uh, language cursing language is it okay to drop an f-bomb on the table um and then how much What's the boundary between what you say and what you do, right? Because some some GMs are very strict. If you say it, you do it. Yep. Right. And other folks, right? That that's part of the group's process. Yeah. Hey, we walked into the temple. I'm gonna get us out of the tavern. Uh, we walked into the temple, and there's the the lead priest, uh, and he's got a job for us, and. Uh, gosh, I just lost my train of thought. Look at that, I, right off the rails. That's all right. Um, you wanna? I it's so you've got your your wizard there. You're fighting a fire elemental. Oh, I cast fireball. Are are you sure you want to do that? Oh yeah. Wait, hold on, hold on. Yeah, um, hold on. Wait a minute. No, people are too too close. And 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 that goes to one of the things I I struggle with as a GM. Um, and this probably is another whole show. Is that the people I'm playing with are for the most part 30 somethings or 50 somethings with a certain set of experiences right and one of the reasons i like to play role play games is because i'm not a drow elf cavalier who's trying to reclaim my honor for lolf right mm-hmm. i have i I'm not that person but i would like to see what it would be like to be that person um so there are certain things that my character knows and intrinsically believes and does that I don't. 
Uh, yeah, uh, definitely. And that's kind of why, as a GM, I will allow a certain degree of that. I'm going to stab him. Well, hang on. Would you really stab that priest right now, or would you talk to him first? Like, you know, walk into the cathedral and, you know, pig stick the priest with a dagger. Like, I'm pretty sure when you pull the dagger out of your sheath, the guards are going to come out of everywhere. <laughs> right. Be upset with you, right? So maybe that's not a good idea. Or I'm going to cast fireballs. Like, well, wait a minute. There's four people standing right around that orc, and you're going to fry all four people. Like, uh, again, a 60-year-old wizard who's cast fireball hundreds of thousands of times is going to know that. Right. You know, where the player might not. And and it, as the group talks about what they're... I'm going to... I'm going to cast whole person well oh okay no why would you do that you, because they're hitting you it's like but i'm a barbarian you know i want to keep fighting so we I, it it's metagaming at some point i mean it is metagaming yeah but yeah i cast the fireball oh wait those people are too close is that's a meta I wouldn't, game yeah i wouldn't cast that fireball because they're i would see that i would recognize that they're too close yeah so that's that that balance. You want to kind of get that balance as part of your table expectations. Yeah. Um, so... And then phones. Don't forget phones. Sure, sure. You allow phones at the table. Um, breaks. It's good to have a break policy if you play, especially if you play online mm -hmm. and you're playing for two hours. Right, we're gonna hours, play for an hour. Hours. We're gonna <laughs> take a break, and then we're gonna play. You know, right? We we play for three on on Monday nights, and we have two breaks. Okay. Um, we we play for um, we play for anywhere between three and five, depending on when we actually get to start versus our expected start time and how late everyone wants to stay and what's going on. Um, well, and, we and that's another thing too, right? Start time. Four if you have, hours. Are are you the type of group that we're gonna say seven but you know between seven and 745 is social time um my, you want to set those group. expectations too <laughs> we, we say 630 but anything from 630 to seven is kind of waiting for people and hanging out getting ready yeah yeah um so you introduce everybody set your expectations um I think that the golden rule of D&D &D is the DM has the final say. So if somebody says, no, I want to play the guy who murders people and I want to describe to everybody how I'm ripping their throats out and you say, no, that's not allowed, and he says, yeah, well, I'm gonna, then as the DM, you either kick that player out or try to help moderate that scenario and get them to tone it down. Um, or if somebody says... Uh, you know, if you say, hey, I want to um, try to walk along the streets and follow this guy without him noticing me, and the DM says, well, okay, make a performance, but but I was going to try to I was gonna try to sneak around there, but it's an That's open street. That's stealth, not performance. Look at the book. That's stealth, not performance. Look at the book. It's, like, it's, oh, it's an open public street. You can't possibly be hidden here. So instead of trying to sneak behind crates when there's at least 40 people watching you at a time, you're going to try to casually, very nonchalantly just walk through the streets. So at, 
at the very base level, you have to have a degree of respect between you as the DMGM and the players to the point where if something like that happens, you can say, hey, this is my ruling, this is how we're going to do it. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then introduce your campaign, your module, if you are playing something that is pre-established. Uh, lots of uh, supplements and module books will have something that you can read to the players to help them get set up. Um, like I mentioned earlier, we, my main group is playing in a world, in a campaign that has been entirely my creation. Um, I've been working on it for like seven years now. There's over 200 locations, over 200 like named and important characters that they could meet or come across in the world. Um, there's a pantheon of 12, nope, like close to 30 deities maybe. Um, it's got its own calendar like it, it's a very original world and so uh, I have tried to give my players as much information that they would know as players in the world so if you think about like what you know about your world if we were going to play a role playing game in the real world you wouldn't have to tell them what the days of the week are called or how many days there are in a particular month they would all know all of that stuff. So anything that you're changing about your world or anything that is important for them to know about the module that you're playing should be shared up front so that that brings everybody into a, a knowledge parity and everybody knows sort of the same basic information that they should. Um, one of my players, uh, the, the bard whose parents are, are slavers in a large town, um, and he felt ashamed and bad about that, so he, he left and, and went off to do something different. Um, he said, you know, I want to be from a town, I want to be from a big city. Um, this is what I'm thinking for my backstory. Where, where would there be slavers in your world if there are at all? And I was like, well, haven't thought about it a ton, but there probably are. There probably should be. Um, let me let me get back to you on that. And two days later, I had a 16-page document that I shared with him that was all about the city that he was from, the surrounding cities, the region, who all of the leaders were, the, the trade king and the trade princes and princesses around the area, what all of their temperaments were like, little bits of public knowledge about all of them, um... And he was kind of blown away, but I, I was like, that's that's what your character would know. And so I think that that's important um, when you are introducing the module or the campaign that you're playing to make sure that players have uh, as much information that you can safely provide such that they feel like they are a part of the world that you have created or the world that you are playing in. Um, and then if you are playing in person, uh, just like the name of this show, you set up your table, uh, you set the table, um, dice, DM screen, whatever other stuff that you want or need, uh, and then most importantly, have fun, you know? It's, it sounds like that could be a whole show, how to have fun, but um, it's going to mean something different to everybody, and your discussion in your session zero is going to be... How do, we, how do we make this fun for everybody? What do you guys want to play? How does everybody want to play? What sort of stuff do you want to do? Where do you want to go? 
Um, and that, as a GM, sometimes those are hard discussions, and sometimes you don't like those answers. Yeah. Right? If if you're if you want to play a uh, very personal horror vampire story, and everybody else wants to play superheroes with fangs, you'll learn that in session zero. Um, don't be afraid to shift gears, right? Yeah. Don't don't just because everyone said voted, you know, not it. I'm not the DM, and you're the last guy with your, you know, not it. Oh. Not it. Yeah. Um, you know, don't get roped into doing something you're not excited about doing. Like if you're not passionate and excited That's about true. DMing, um, the experience isn't going to be as wonderful as it could be. Yeah. It'd be it'll be lackluster because you're kind of going through the motions. Okay, roll your dice. Oh, hey, hey, you're dead. Great. All right, and now, you know, you're doing this other thing. Okay, cool. Um, if if you get through session zero, right, and, and you're like, oh gosh, I'm going to play Skull and Shackles Pathfinder because I love pirates and I, we're going to do this thing, and everyone wants to be lawfully good aligned, right? You lawful good pirates don't really do well, right? It doesn't make sense. Chaotic That's good pirates, right? You know, chaotic good pirates, the whole Robin Hood thing. Yeah. Um, you know, Jack Sparrow arguably is neutral good, maybe, you know, but... Um, neutral selfish. New, yeah, neutral. <laughs> neutral. Uh, but if, if you get through session zero and, and you had an idea in your mind of what you wanted to play and your players are moving in a wildly different direction, maybe pick a different module, pick a different system, um, play, play a different game, um, or have another session zero and try to try to find a common space, right? That's 0.1. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, okay, you know, we, we were gonna do this thing, um, we're gonna play Vampire the Masquerade Fifth Edition, and it's gonna be a personal tragedy, and 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 everyone's like, no, nah, you know, we just watched the Vampire Diaries. We want to be superheroes with fangs, and, and it's like, oh, okay, um, that's maybe you change modules, or uh, maybe you change systems. Maybe Fifth Edition isn't really what you want to play. You want to play something. Um, actually, Fifth Edition is probably the better of the Vampire editions to play for that. Um, but yeah, don't. Uh, that, that goes back to trust, patience, listening. I think good listening was on this list somewhere. It should uh, be uh, open-mindedness. I, I kind of put listening with open-mindedness. Yeah, like like really listen to what's going on, uh, so that when you do set the table, you've got a good you've got a good thing that you're trying to put in front of people. Excellent. Well said. And, and then don't worry. Don't I, I'm, I'm going to do my Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, right? Don't <laughs> don't panic. Don't panic. Um, if you are playing in Faerun and right, Chednazad has been destroyed in the Underdark according to canon, and you say, "Oh, hey, I'm from Chednazad," don't freak out, right? Just roll. I'm from because the Underdark is big, and I'm sure that there are. 
settlements that have sprung up around the ruins of Chednazad, even though they're not documented in canon, right? Um, if well, you're that's... trying to do voices and you're not great at voices, don't do voices. Or if you have a character and that character's voice changes halfway through a sentence, which has... It, look, I've been DMing for 40 years. That shit happens to you. It, it happens to everybody. Everybody. <laughs> don't freak out. Just take a breath, relax, and, and move on. So don't... Yeah. And that's, I think, especially for the new GM, people get wrapped around and they get anxious about, I have to know all the rules. And I have to know the complete geography of Faerun. And I have to know the you know that Veyrun is the son of Lolf, but they don't get along anymore. And I have to know it's like no, yeah, no. <laughs> relax, take a breath, have fun. You you as the GM should also be having fun. Totally. Yeah. You're not just there. I mean, so the main role of the GM is to create an experience for the players, but you're also creating an experience that you want to be a part of. Um, and so, yeah, if you are not having fun, change something. Talk to your players, figure it out. If it was, hey, we want to do a dungeon crawl, and you use random dungeon generators, and they say, oh, well, these dungeon crawls are, you know, it's fun to do the combat, but we don't really have a reason to be here, start writing some story, you know? Um, I don't have it on the list, but being adaptable and adaptation, listening, um, don't be afraid to change things, you know? If there is something in a written module, the best thing about any tabletop RPG is that none of it is written in stone. It's written on paper, and you can write something on a different piece of paper and put that in front and say, nope, this is where we're at now. That that golem you were fighting doesn't have an AC of 19 because nobody was having fun not being able to hit it. So now it's got an AC of 17, but it's got 20 more hit points. Um, make changes however you need to, wherever you need to, so that everybody is having fun, including you. Yes. So I think have fun is a good place to, to wrap it up at. Um, if you have tuned in live thank you a whole lot uh if you are watching on youtube after the fact thank you a whole lot um the hope is to have this up in podcast format as soon as i am able to um i have another show that i started that is going on today's the seventh or eighth business day um that i haven't heard back so maybe a lot of people are starting podcasts and prep for the new year but um will be available on podcasts soon and is called Set the Table. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, if you'd like to drop us a comment or send us an email about the show, uh, the best way to do so is to tweet at me. Uh, I am at jmscoda5 on Twitter. Uh, you can also tweet at Red Hoodie Games um, for uh, bi-weekly tabletop content. Um, so this show happens, you know, on A weeks and C weeks in a month. Uh, on B weeks and D weeks in a month, I write a, um, a, a free uh, content blurb um, for my RPG blog, which is redhoodiegames5.wordpress.com. 
Um, it is currently full of character concepts, so if you don't know what character you want to play next, or you want some inspiration to help you write a backstory for your own characters, go on over and read some of those. Um, you can catch the show live here on mixer.com slash jamsgo to 5 uh, alternating Thursdays starting around 5 p.m. Eastern. Um, that may be subject to change in the future. However, that's what we're going to be doing for the next couple of months at least. And finally, if you want to support us at all, head on over to patreon.com slash skoda. That's S-K-O-D-A. Um, there are, are levels anywhere from $1 to $15 a month, and any support that you give is extremely welcome and extremely beneficial. Uh, so thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks for episode two. Bye! Bye.